we're getting into church business here. We're getting up into the business of the church where if we are more concerned with looking like we are performing the miracles, giving the prophecies, but our people are naked and sick in prison, they're lonely, they're dying, they're hungry, they're thirsty, then Jesus is actually saying to them and saying to us, if we're part of that, get away from me. You don't even know who I am. Now remember, these are the qualifications Jesus is putting out. These aren't art. This is specifically from the Lord Jesus Christ when he's actually going to judge his people at the end of the age. And he's going to separate us. And if we believe in Christ, it should be evident with the works that we do. Or we really don't believe, do we? Something's off. Something's, <laughs> something's, right. something's off in our hearts, in our love walk, if we are not caring for the people around us. Welcome to the I Will Be Your Church podcast, Virtual Sanctuary. Be strengthened today with the truth of God's love so that you can say to your families, your friends, your co-workers, and your social media worlds, I will be your church. Hi, today we're going to be talking about the subject of the sheep and the goats. And you might be like, what are we talking about? Like a wall or something? <laughs> Ram? No, we're talking about it, uh, something that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 25, and it's about the end of the age. So just to give you a little bit of context, Jesus is saying when he returns to this earth, I just want to pause right there. Did you know that Jesus will return to this earth? In fact, Jesus will be the king on this planet. He will be in Israel. He will be in Jerusalem. He will have a throne there. He will be president of the whole world. Who would not want to live in that world? I do. That's my retirement plan. In fact, if you follow Jesus right now, before the end times take place, you will actually be ruling and reigning with him during this time. You will be a king. You will be a priest. You will have authority over regions and cities and peoples if you're faithful now in this time. That is a fact. That is the future. And just to clarify, it's not just for men. Yeah. Hey, I look at it as if, if I'm the bride of Christ, you can be a king. Well, yeah, yeah. But I'm, <laughs> I'm clarifying for the listeners that uh, when you say king, you don't mean it in the male sense of the word. You're talking about the position of king. The position of king. Yeah. You may be a female right now, but you will be a king positionally during this time. I'll take okay? it. So I'm, I'm not differentiating king or queen. We're all going to be kings, all equal. Gotcha following under the Lord Jesus himself. We will have our own thrones. This is for real. This will take place. All the nations will come down and bow before Jesus. This is the greatest news. That's the whole purpose of Christianity. The apostle Paul said in his writings, if this were not the case, if this wasn't going to happen, then we're the worst people on the planet. We should be pitied above all other people because we're believing this and it's not true. No people. This is reality. God himself said this. Why wouldn't you want to be a part of it? I do. So let's pick this up then and actually find out what Jesus is going to say to us in this passage of scripture. It's a little bit long, but stay with us. It's, it's pretty interesting. 
So this is in Matthew 25, starting in verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? The king will say, Jesus will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? Then he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. Then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. And then actually in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will say to them publicly, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who act wickedly, and willfully break my commands. That's a powerful couple passages of scripture. Yeah. I think there's some things you could take out of context or be confused about if you don't understand literally what he's saying. Specifically, a few things jumped out to me is that when he said, when you're doing these works, you were doing it to me. And you could quickly, without reading the next sentence or a part of that last sentence, you could say, well, all I have to do is do those things, and that's doing God's will, right? I mean, like, that sounds like great, wonderful social programs, and you get to be in heaven, right? But what did he say there? Let's read specifically what he says. When you did these to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, those are believers in Christ. That doesn't mean any human being who ever walked the face of the earth, because we know that you're not a brother or sister of the Lord Jesus until you're born into the family of God. So he's saying that when your brothers and sisters, your fellow believers are in need and you haven't shown the love of God to them and meeting their needs, you know, it's like the, the parable of the, the Good Samaritan. Remember that where the person was hurt on the road and the priest walked by and, you know, all these guys walked by and just turned their noses at him. But then the Samaritan came in, who was this guy's enemy, you know, in, in reality. They were divided from each other. 
he picked that guy up, put him up in a hotel, took care of him, paid for it all. That's the kind of person that, that Jesus is saying, that's who's showing that they are actually believing and doing the works of the Father. Also, another thing jumped out to me was that it almost seems like just by doing works, you can actually earn your way. Uh, could somebody take that from this passage of Scripture, do you think, Joe? Yeah, like I, I mean, that's one of those things in Christianity we say it's not about what you do, it's about believing in the Lord. And then Jesus himself even says, when someone asked him, well, what works do I have to do to do the will of God? And Jesus said, there's only one work, and that's believe in the one he sent, me, Jesus, believe in me. So it's like you almost have two sides to that. Okay, well, he says, my biggest thing that I need to do in order to as we say, be saved or to be born from above or to enter into the kingdom of heaven is believe in the Lord Jesus, make him Lord of our lives. But then here he's saying there's more to it. It's not that your salvation is dependent upon it, but if you're my brother or sister, you'd be looking out for my brothers and my sisters. Right. They're your family. So James chapter two, it says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but you don't show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, and you just say to them, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't actually give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. So James says, faith by itself Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless, which is interesting in and of itself. We can't get into that today because it's yeah, sort of a different a, topic, but faith yeah. can be dead. What? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's crazy. Mm -hmm. And then he continues on and he says, now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Well, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Mm -hmm. So think about that. Someone's doing good deeds. I've heard a lot of philosophy about you know doing good, altruism, and things like that. Which is all good stuff. I mean, we yeah, want to be doing yeah, good things. You know, yes. There's a lot of cool intricacies to it. But if you're doing something good... Why are you doing it? You believe something, right? Maybe it's your ideology. I believe I should help my fellow human. You know, Where does that I, motivation I, come from? Right. So in a sense, that is faith. You've got a belief of faith, wherever it came from. It might not even be religious, but you believe something. You believe you personally have to help other people. You believe that maybe you've been blessed somehow or you've worked hard and earned bunch of stuff. And now I, I owe back to my community. That's awesome. But that's a belief. And I can prove that you got that belief by, cause you're going out and doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's evidenced you know? by your deeds. <laughs> right. So that's what he's saying here that man, that then now when you read that back into Matthew seven, where Jesus says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord. And you said something just a minute ago that when you make Jesus, the Lord of your life, I've heard many people confess Jesus, the Lord of their life. Yeah. But what in the world does that mean? What does Lord mean? 
that he is the one who I submit my will to. He's the one who I submit to. If you're in lordship, that means you're a ruler over my life. And mm-hmm. ultimately, I choose to follow you. So if you if you think about like maybe a medieval television show or movie, you know, where they called everyone, they had like lords back in those days. They were the boss. Like if you're in the presence of a lord, you had to do everything they said. And if they said, you're going to die tomorrow, I'm going to cut your head off. You're stuck. You're getting your head cut off tomorrow. That's why we use that word that when in English, the word Lord, it's like the highest position. I don't even know what else you could call it. It's Lord. And so Jesus, in English, we are saying to him, Jesus, you are my Lord. And when you do that in your life, you become born of God. An exchange takes place. You exchanged your filthy rags for new garments from the Lord. You, know, you exchange your dead spirit for an, uh, an alive spirit from God. But I've seen many people say, Jesus is my Lord. And then they don't do one thing that he says to do. Yeah. Here you have these same people saying, they said, Lord, Lord, we did all these wonderful things. What did Jesus actually say to them? I never knew you. Get away from me, you who act wickedly and willfully break my commands. Now, he doesn't give specific examples there because it it could be a million things. It could be a billion things of how you are acting wickedly and willfully breaking his commands. But these people were saying, I said Jesus was my Lord, and I did some good works. But you know what they were also doing? Living filthy lives, probably not taking care of their own family, you know, doing a bunch of crap in their lives. Well, let's... uh... Let's get personal with the church right now. So, I mean, he's he's talking about, let's let's just look at that. Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons. We perform miracles in your name. All right. So anybody today can go on to YouTube and see church services where people are prophesying, where they're saying that they're casting out demons, that they're performing many miracles. And don't get us wrong, Ben and I both believe that if you currently, if you are listening to our voice and you are oppressed or possessed by evil spirits, that you can find freedom (laughs) at the name of Jesus. We believe that God still performs miracles. We believe that we can speak uh, prophetically, encouraging and exhorting people with prophetic words. We believe all that. Mm-hmm. But you can go on YouTube and you can see many examples of entire churches saying, Lord, Lord, we, we're prophesying, we're, we're casting out these demons, we're performing all these miracles, but they're not caring for their naked. They're not caring for their sick. They're not visiting their people in prison. So Jesus says, you willfully break my commands. Well, what did Jesus say were, were the commands? Believe in me, love God, love, love people. Mm-hmm. So, what how can you, you got say you're is, loving someone when you're walking by them and and they're they're in need, and you just yeah. say, "Oh, have be blessed, God bless you, hope you feel yeah. better." Listen, anybody who has watched the original Borat movie as a Christian, painful to watch because you know here's this man who is he's videotaping this and as a movie, and he's sleeping on the front steps of a church, and people are literally stepping over him to get into the building. He's filming this. This was actually happening. These weren't actors. These were churchgoers ready to get in there and prophesy and cast out demons and perform their miracles. 
but they didn't even care enough to ask if this man needed help. Mm-hmm. Are you hungry? Can I feed you? Can I clothe you? We're getting into church business here. We're getting up into the business of the church where if we are more concerned with looking like we are performing the miracles, giving the prophecies, but our people are naked and sick in prison, they're lonely, they're dying, they're hungry, they're thirsty, then Jesus is actually saying to them and saying to us, if we're part of that, get away from me. You don't even know who I am. Now, remember, these are the qualifications Jesus is putting out. These aren't our, this is specifically from the Lord Jesus Christ when he's actually going to judge his people at the end of the age. And he's going to separate us and some are going to be with him and some are going to be with their other Lord, the devil and his punishment. You know, so you might say, well, how, how can I do these things? I just heard another a YouTuber the other day. He, he specifically used this scripture. He said, all the Christians I know over my whole life, only he said, I can count on one hand, the, the Christians I know who are, who are doing this specific scripture because he was involved in a prison ministry and some other things. So, you know, you have to ask yourself, I have to ask myself, who are the people in my life that I need to be doing this to? And now remember, like true religion is this, that you care for the widows and the orphans, the fatherless. Yeah. Right there. Who are the people in your sphere of influence who need something to eat? You know, who are the, who are the people that you may know who are in prison, who have a broken home? that you can come in and mentor, that you can come in and spend time with, that you can help out their family. Even by giving a bag of groceries, Jesus says, that qualifies for action to what you believe. Also, here's another thing to think about. Maybe you can't necessarily reach out specifically, but maybe you've got money. The Bible also says if you've been blessed in financial means, then you start giving. You can support financially, the people who are doing these things and you get the same credit because you can't do any of these things. If you don't have $1, how are you going to feed somebody with no money? How are you going to go visit in the prisons without being able to get there in a car? You need resources. So people have resources. You can come on board with them, partner up and get this work done. But these are the qualifications that Jesus is putting out. And if we believe in Christ, it should be evident with the works that we do. Or we really don't believe, do we? Something's off. Something's, <laughs> something's, not right. something's off in our hearts, in our love walk, if we are not caring for the people around us. We can't reach the whole world. I, Joanna, right. am not capable of, of curing every ill in the world, of helping every victim in the world, but I can be held responsible for, okay, well, who has God put around me? Mm-hmm. that I'm supposed to be helping. And what has he put on my heart? So, you know, I've talked about, you know, it's on my heart are kids in foster care, kids who need adoption, kids who need families. All right, well, I can talk about that. I can help that. I can foster. I can adopt. I can do those things. And mm-hmm. so we have to start with where we are. One of the things too, I just want to point out one of our podcast episodes, the wheat and the weeds, where Jesus makes it very clear in that parable, that it isn't our job to separate people out of the kingdom. It's not our job to separate who's the wheat, who's the weeds, who's the sheep, who's the goat. 
Um, when he's talking here about separating to the right and to the left, he's not talking about political parties, just to clarify, because that's a you know theme right now. It, he's not talking about that at all. But what he is showing us is it's not my responsibility here or even in eternity to make that separation. Jesus is the only one who can make the determination of who is his wheat, who is a weed, who belongs to the kingdom of light, who belongs to the kingdom of darkness, who is a sheep, who is a goat, who is a true follower, who calls him Lord, and who is not a follower, even when they call him Lord. And ultimately, it's his call in the fullness of time to make that separation. So a lot of Christians, I think, get caught up on that side of it, too. You're not doing these things. You're not a Christian. You don't believe. That's none of your business. Yeah. What's your business? What's my business is obeying that word, living my life in a holy, righteous manner and being obedient to the Lord, not trying to make sure everybody else is living that holy way. That's the Lord. You know, that scripture in James, James kind of adds a little bit more light to it because he says, you may have faith. You may believe Jesus may be your Lord, yet when you don't put action to it, it can die. It becomes useless. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean you're disqualified forever, right? It means that I've let something slip in my life. And praise God, he's faithful. Yeah. He's a father. How many times, you know, I think of my own kids when they started being lazy with their schoolwork or they started, you know, getting off track or something of, of what they're supposed to do and not doing their chores, you know. As a father, you come in and you bring loving correction. You don't say, you're not my son anymore. You're not my daughter. You're <laughs> condemned. I'm separating my, you know, maybe somebody would and they'd be the worst parent on the earth. Yeah. But a, a loving father corrects and he encourages and he mentors and he builds up even when they constantly make mistakes, when they fall away, even when they're rebellious, the uh, loving father stays with them. So as a Christian, for me to get on other people for not doing works, you know, doing the good things, you know, we can talk about it and have a discussion about it, but to bring judgment or condemnation is so wrong because mm -hmm. God's still dealing with you. He's still dealing with me in my own life. I can tell you things right. right now. Where, where I've slipped or I haven't been faithful as I should, or I've been disobedient or I've missed the mark. And the Lord, there's only one judge. Yeah. <laughs> there's only He's one my judge. judge. We, we're not the judge. I think Christians have to be a little bit careful on that right. side of it too, because I don't know why it is. We're so judgmental <laughs> in everyone but ourselves. <laughs> if we could just turn all that outward judgment onto ourselves and make sure our house is in order, make sure that my, thoughts are good and my actions are good. And, and that's enough to keep you busy for the rest of your life. Actually, that's sort of a, a great point to bring it around to is there is a passage of scripture where Paul says, judge yourself so that God doesn't judge you. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's apply that to our parable today. So if you're looking at this parable and Jesus is saying, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me a drink. I was a stranger. You invited me and I was naked. You clothed me. You cared for me when I was sick. You visited me in prison. All of those things. Well, let's turn the judgment upon ourselves for a few minutes. 
not to condemn ourselves, but to to ask ourselves, okay, well, Lord, I don't, I don't want to be separated from you uh, at the end of time. I want to have faith that is strong, full of love, and that does what you have called me to do. So I'm going to judge myself. I'm going to look, where have I been failing in this? Where have I seen that my brother, my sister, my neighbor, my friend, my children, my parents, whomever it may be, I've seen a need and I've just sort of turned away from it because I just didn't want to deal with it. You know, I didn't want to make that phone call. I didn't want to go to that hospital visit. I didn't want to take the time. Let's just examine ourselves today then and say, Lord, forgive me for that. I turn away from that and, and give me those opportunities again so that this time I can walk in love. Because if you do that, if you start judging yourself, in a that's a positive judgment. I'm going to judge myself for where I'm feeling and I'm going to move forward and do it differently. Well, that's just true repentance then. Exactly. And then you can feel confident that on the day, whenever that day for you may be, that you stand before the Lord. If you walk in that continual repentance and walking in what He has put in your path, then you can walk in confidence that when you stand before his glorious throne, he's going to say, come on to my right hand and be beside me. Yeah, that's good. I want to pray over you. Heavenly Father, I pray for anyone listening today, and I, I pray for myself too, Lord, that we would judge ourselves, that we would hear what you're saying to us, that we would see the call that you've called us to, and that we would hear you, that we would obey today. I just repent, Lord, of those times in my life when I've missed the mark, I haven't done what you've told me to do, or and I've let my faith even slip. And I thank you, Lord, that you're faithful. I just pray that anyone anyone listening would, would just pray the same prayer, Father, that they would be humble, that they would repent, that they would be able to turn from those ways and see the distinction and turn towards you and be able to now put action to their faith, what they believe, to what you've called them to do. Lord, I just pray that this would be a season when each one of us would realize we are called by you and that we've got work to do and that you actually are empowering us to do that good work so that we'll just be an example of who you are in the earth, in our own sphere of influence. I don't have to change the world, Lord, but I can change my house and I can change my neighborhood and I can change my work and at least to be an example of your light and your love to those around me. That's my prayer today, Lord. I thank you for that, and I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Be the church to those around you. If you feel blessed by the I Will Be Your Church podcast, please subscribe so you never miss a day. And then share it with your friends. Check out our website, IWillBeYourChurch.com, to learn more about us. Check out Ben's blog, connect with us on social media, and become part of this church family movement.